welcome to the Coach Tyler Show. Hi there. Welcome to another episode of the Coach Gallo Show. Uh, Coyote McKinnon here. It is so good to be in the land of the living. I remember this show, we talk all things soccer. But before we even jump into that, let me quickly remind you that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. That's very important to note. With what is happening um don't know what is happening in your life but whatever is happening you must know that whatever is on the inside it's much more powerful than what is on the outside um while this show is all about soccer you by now if you if you're not if you're new to the show um and if you're not new we we constantly refer uh to this, this program as an objective one to really inspire our young people uh, to live out their purpose. Um, that is not subjective. We were all born with a purpose. Um, and that's what we're supposed uh, to be doing uh, with this life that we have. So it's very important that... Um, we remind our young people, especially our young people, if not all people, uh, but there's a, uh, there is a, a need from our perspective to encourage and to influence our young people to live out their purpose. Um, it's a great time, you know, so please, if you can, subscribe to Coyote McKinnon and Co. channel on YouTube. I think if you understand the impact of, of, of doing such, um, it's not really, it's not really for the hype, as people would say, but it's to, it's to drive more important conversations that can impact the lives of all of us. Um, you know, the more, uh, the more it's, the more it's extended across the different lines, um, it attract the information that is necessary and, and breed good discussions that can influence um, all of our lives in a meaningful way. But I'm not going to waste too much time because I have a special guest here um, and really want to uh, give them a chance to share some of um, re some of their remarkable stories that I believe that every young person, um, wherever you are, need needs to hear because um, it's an important story of redemption in many in many ways. But they will do that. But before we jump into that, um, just want to uh, quick interruption to bring to you the. Um, KMXVI merch, please do support it in whatever way you can. That we will continue to um, influence um, young people and from different walks of life 
uh, that they can have the opportunity to also live out their purpose. So stay tuned. Uh, we'll be right back. Coyote, McKinnon, and company are ready to dress you in one of their most stylish, comfortable, and attractive athletic gears this fall for you to achieve that desired athletic goal. Check out their online store today for your joggers, tank tops, bras, backpacks, sweatshirts, and everything else you'll need to complete that look. It's Coyote, McKinnon, and company. We care. Welcome back uh, to the Coach Coyote Show. Coyote here. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Please hit the notification notification bell so that you know when we're on. Please let us know that you're here. Uh, you can ask questions, share your comments. Remember, we want to provoke growth. So any feedback, um, any stories, any testimonies, anything that will continue to instill growth and bring about transformation, then we covet it, okay? So let us know that you're here. Um, even if you're looking behind the scenes, I want you to know that we appreciate uh, the time that you you give uh, to taking part in, in your own um, little way, but it's a big way because uh, someone, life, can be changed through you just being here or sharing what we're what we're doing. Nevertheless, um, I have, uh, like I said, a special guest, Mr. Gerald uh, Forbes, um, and it was important to 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 invite this this young brother on this on this pod live podcast um, because you know we. This podcast, we always speak about change and we always speak about authenticity. We always speak about the uncommonness of this show and the unscriptedness of this show because we want everything to be um, as authentic as possible. We want everything to be uh, pure because real change, which is necessary, come from conviction, come from what is right, what is true, what is honest, what is authentic. So, you know, you will hear his his story through this, uh, through this podcast and, and, and truly hope that it's a massive blessing to each and every person who will be listening um, to this podcast. Mr. Gerald Forbes. Yes, good night, Coyote. It's um, good to see you. Thank you. Appreciate uh, you coming um, to the Coach Kayo show, the, this live podcast, all the way from England. Um, I know it's the wee hours in the morning, uh, but, you know, we know how important 
our messages and how important our voices are. Um, sometimes the voices in the wilderness need to need to come out so that whatever needs to be birthed in the atmosphere uh, must be birthed by God's grace. So there's one thing on this show we, we preach about is leadership. So I will start there before we jump into anything. Your definition, your perspective on what leadership, what leadership means to you. Um, again, thank you for the opportunity to be, you know, on here and for the viewers who are here. Um, this wouldn't be possible without me giving glory to the one whom glory is to be given, and that is God Almighty and my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, you know, I'd like to give them the glory first before I proceed. Um, in regards to the topic of leadership, I think it's a topic that could never stop be addressing because God is always in the business of raising leaders, but yet in raising leaders, man have not been able to cultivate and grow leaders because they grow leaders based on their own understanding or rather than the grace of God. Um, for me, when I look at leadership or the forerunners who were ahead of me, um, I, would, I would happily say that the leadership qualities that were shown in my era was not the leadership that probably I should have taken. And it took me years now after playing football, finishing now and doing some research and, you know, as, you know, Christ has imparted, you know, his spirit and so forth. And now taking the time to reflect what really is leadership, because in the world, leadership is about, you know, the self, about I or dictatorship. But actually, leadership is influence. More importantly, the heart of leadership is serving. It's not mm -hmm. to be self-seeking. It's not to be better than anybody. Because the gift is only as important as if you impart it. And who are you imparting it to? So if you don't have any disciples or any influence, then your leadership is not involved. You can be a positional leader. Just somebody acting the role but has no influence. Wow. Fantastic. Leadership is about influence. That's why we talk about impacting and inspiring our young people to live out their purpose because we believe also we share we share that that it's about influence, it's about impact, and it's about transformation. But just so that the viewers and people who are listening, um, which is people from all over, especially when we download this and when it's shared with Anchor and Spotify and all the platforms that we have. We have people from Australia, Ireland, Scotland. It's 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 a massive audience um, that we have is people from different uh, parts of the world. Some say soccer, some say football. So we might be going back and forth with that just so that everyone knows that Gerald is in England. So football is is what it is um, i'm in the u.s so soccer so if you hear the term football finding itself in the conversation uh, don't be afraid we're still talking about soccer so you know 
Gerald, tell me about, you know, just reflecting back, reflecting back on, you know, where it all started and, you know, your bringing. Um, what, what do you remember about, uh, about that? Um, I think from a young age, uh, many people would not believe um, that my first initial sports was not actually football, it was cricket and running. Um, I was a very good cricketer, um, very competitive with my eldest brother. Um, he was selected at the time for the West Indies on the 15 team. Um, we were, you know, very passionate about it, seeing that, you know, one of our icons, uh, Brian Lara, was playing at the time. And, you know, his name was a household name. So everybody was aspiring to be something like a Lara. So that's where it started. But uncommonly to me, because of the attributes which I had, which was speed, I ventured into 100 meters, 200 meters. And resoundingly, as I was playing for my uh, school at that very young age, my sports master at the time said to me, could you play our defense? And I said, um, no problem, sir. I will play the position to the best of my ability. Even as a young child, I'm a, a type of person or individual who would give my heart or wear my heart on my sleeve. I will give you my all. Um, I think from the first game we play, um, he saw that the speed I had was tormenting other players. So after the first couple of games, he proceeded. He said, I don't think you are a defender. I think you are a striker. Um, from that, it proceeded with my cousin. He was a footballer. He started to, you know, take me under his wings. He started to train me. He started to show me a couple of things that could help me you know, at the under-11 level. Um, at the time, there was Republic Youth Cup happening. Um, formerly, end up scoring, I think, about 10 or 11 goals in the tournament, making the newspapers. At the time, I wasn't looking at the hype of what is being portrayed by the media. But, you know, my mom and they were saying, wow, son, you know, you have great speed, you're scoring goals, you know, keep working, keep pushing. Um, at that time, I think it's when the FIFA Under-17 Youth World Cup came to Trinidad through Jack Warner and Trinidad was given the opportunity to host it. So then they went in search of building a team in Trinidad to represent in the tournament, hopefully potentially going further than just the first rounds. So it was a very competitive uh, situation, arena where thousands of boys from Trinidad, players from all over the world, you know, given their the platform where to showcase their talent. Um, luckily, I got into the 100 boys. And at that time, from the age of 13, proceeding straight to 17, we were in a camp. And that really transformed me as a youth player because seeing the training that was done, um, <coughs> very rigorous. And I mean rigorous in the part that our coach was Adeboye Onik Bingde. He was from Nigeria. And the mentality of the Nigerians were very hands-on. means you had to work. So sometimes we were trained in the morning and then sometimes in the evening. So we would do double sessions or sometimes we will have training just after school because when we entered college, we are training after school. And that proceeded right through until the World Cup, you know. Um, and I think the tours of being able to travel abroad to Brazil, camps in Brazil, camps in um, Paraguay, 
um, in Germany, in France, um, in Spain. These tours really helped me um, um, even understanding the level of football outside there because the Caribbean only sees one pivotal viewpoint. But when you go outside Europe, you actually see the competition. You, you actually see the intense, you know, sessions and, and work rate that it takes to become a pro. It's not a one-night thing. Um, fortunately, um, Adiboy, uh, Chief Adeboye Onek Bingde, he had to leave. And then we, um, I think the Federation hired Mr. Remy Simonis, who was the um, head coach for Jamaica, who had just participated in the 1998 World Cup. So he was the coach now. And I think that the the level of technical work that he'd done within the under-17 boys as coming in, it was a tr tremendous work because we saw boys really taking the initiative to understand their roles and functions um, what strategically he wanted us to carry out the instructions, the plays. And I think even on the third tour of going back to Brazil and staying at Zico's coaching school, and then from there playing against Vasco de Gama, Americana, uh, Zico's coaching school, um, Corinthians, and so a massive, you know, results in these games, um, it really pushed us as young men wanting more. You know, um, even playing the FIFA on the 17 Youth World Cup, it wasn't something that, as a young player playing in a World Cup, you don't really see the massive opportunity that is before you. One, there is no guidance because, again, external uses, if you don't have any, I would say, representative representing you in that fashion to make you aware or your parents aware of, of, of the opportunity given to you, it can be lost. Um, I think... The first game when we played against um, Croatia, um, we ended up losing that game 2-1. And Kosi Blackman scored a phenomenal goal. He scored a, a solo run that took him to Italy. Um, we played Australia after we lost 1-0. And then, unfortunately, we played Brazil, which we lost 6-1, which I happily was able to get on the score sheet um, and put my name in history in my country as a, a first-time scorer against a Brazilian team in a World Cup, um, I think that plummeted me, you know, even in the school football arena in Trinidad and Tobago, um, scoring 36 goals, 20-something goals, um, playing um, under-17 Pro League, under-20 Pro League, being top goal scorer, and then eventually going to Manchester United. Um, Manchester United was another mind-blowing opportunity, you know, to go there and see Alex Ferguson in, in person, to see David Beckham, um, all of them were very welcoming. But the most important thing that stood out for me at being in Manchester United was the professionalism. I mean, to see how the structure was, to see how people have the view of Manchester United as this superior club. I know in any modern day now, they're not doing well, but the structure back then that Alex Ferguson had was phenomenal. What I mean is they would have lunch together. They would have breakfast together. It wasn't the first team separated from the rest of them. Everybody was in the room and it was cultivating a kind of atmosphere that the other younger you know, players that is coming could see that type of level 
an initiator want to be like that even they give us the opportunity to sign autographs they have like a, a table with loads of paper and you sign your autograph then you go to the kit room then you go to your training when you finish training you know you give the kit back then after that you know you get your three hours break but then you have training in the evening and then you go back to your residing home where you stay by a housekeeper so we were staying by um somebody who was housekeeping us and it was very strict because I'd, I want to I want to I want to jump in and in, in from the point of moving from a runner from just an athletic person um to then going to being put into defense because of whatever reason not necessarily football reason to then becoming a forward to then playing in a youth 17 world cup <laughs> you know that might for some people that might that might think that just happened. What 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 was the support um from family like? What was that like? Because you know, you and I both grew up in the Caribbean and there's there's this this um we would say is this this status quo of where you know if you in that situation the chances of making this a life or making this something of of importance is oftentimes second to none it's always the the need to to focus on education so going going through this process um and getting to a world cup you know if we if we pedal it back a bit what was the support like um from families uh, from family members parents like what was that like? How important it was, and, and you know what did you really remember about that that you can share with us? I think um, the support system from my mother and my family was there. Um, my mom would seldomly, you know, we run a family business back in Trinidad that is you know well known, and a lot of people you know, look up to my family because of the service they provide. But my mom never one day said, son, I'm not going to be there to support you. Hmm. You know, she was always there in the backbone. But one of the greatest things that she was supporting me with was prayer. Because I would see my mom getting up every morning, kneeling down before God and petitioning him. At the time, I wasn't understanding, but she was covering me. And she would do that, you know, every single day. I would see my mom get up in the morning, in the, in the night. She was with her Bible. And I think she would always say to me, son, whatever you need, ask God. She never told me to ask man. Mm. She said, ask God. And at that time, these words were sentiments. I never really understood it because at that time, I wasn't spiritual. You know, I'm a young man. You know, as the Bible say, young man, enjoy the days of your youth, you know, for when the time comes, God will call you into judgment. And um, my mom was trying to prepare me for life because football is not 80 years or 60 years. Football is, is a short span. But what she was trying to give me was a valuable lesson that no matter what happens in life, always see God. And, you know, she would carry me to the football pitch. She would set up the cones for me. Even though my mom was not a goalkeeper, she was standing the goal <laughs> and she would say, son, please don't hurt me, but kick anywhere at the time. <laughs> so, 
you know, she would go with me and I'll be yeah. trying to hit my hardest and, you know, but she was there and, and I had mm. the support of my aunt, um, Dennis Forbes Myers. Um, she's in a good position, you know, in the oil industry, but she was always there making sure that I had the right cleats. I had the right, you know, clothes. I had the right um, outfits, supplements, even to this day, I'm not playing football and my aunt is still influential in my life in making sure that her nephew is okay. What is um, important there is, what is important there is the fact that you are a kid didn't really know that you had the football goods in you. You were running, you were playing cricket, somebody asked you to step on a field and that all-in support that you got with no one saying, I don't believe you can. Uh, maybe you got to be, you know, you have to have a backup plan. But someone just saying, put God first. Believe in God. Trust God in whatever you're doing. Um, and I will see God face in terms of, in terms of your guidance, you know, that's a massive thing and, and because there's so many people that struggle with that. Like, but personally, how did that drive you? How did that drove you to, um, in your training, in your preparation, in your belief system? If you could elaborate a bit more on what it did to you internally, what, what drive did you had knowing that you got this this undoubtable support um, around you in in this pretty much you know in this unknown world you don't you don't really know what to expect but there's a support there you know speak about that um it's good that you say that because um even the support that my mom and family was giving i think because I relied on the words of all the sentiments my mother had drawn to me or, or made me glean from, which was ask God, I would never really speak out loud in asking God things. I wasn't that type of person. I wasn't that type of boastful person. I wasn't that, that type of person to be, you know, voice trust. But rather, I would say it in my heart. I would be like, you know, in the team bus, just thinking out loud, but in my heart. And I would... You know, speak to God from my heart, and I would say, you know, what if I can become the, the the top goal scorer? But I never said it to no one. But funny enough, that same season I scored twenty something goals. <laughs> so it was like God was at work, but God was bringing it to pass it because He was seeing a young boy. You know, I mean, it wasn't easy for me growing up. Because, you know, in, in the Caribbean, you have family issues. You have, you know, my dad wasn't there, um, which was a major role that my mom fulfilled. But, you know, uh, bless him still, you know, I don't know what each man goes through, but I don't hold any animosity towards my dad. Um, um, I think also because of my talent that God had given me, as a, there's a scripture in the Bible says, your talent would make room before you before great men. And as I continued to play and cultivate my talent, um, my mom would always say to me, she, even if on my worst day, my mom wouldn't dung me or she wouldn't be like, you did bad today. No, 
she would say to me before a game, son, just give your best. Even if I fell short to her, I still did my best because she always mm. tell me there's always room for improvement. You did your best. So, you know, these words, you know, coming from my mom, my aunt, um, that spurred me on because I can remember we were playing a game at what was called the Clico on the 15 youth championships in Trinidad. And we were playing against a team called Uprising Youths, which was a very strong football team in my district in Point Fourteen area. They were annihilating teams badly. And um, my players and they, we were from the Palisaco Football Academy, um, just young boys, humble boys, you know, playing together, grew up together. And they had us 4-0 in the first half. We, we thought we were annihilated already. But I can remember walking off that pitch and my mom pulled me aside and she said to me, son, if you push the team, the rest will follow. And right there, she, she, she turned to me and she said, Gerald, just go do your best. That's all she said to me. And that's, I can remember my aunt coming and giving me a Gatorade and I, I was so energized by just these words. I just took a sip. I didn't even finish the bottle. I went back on that pitch in the second half and scored a hat-trick. The score was 4-3. A guy who is now in the States went to college. His name is Kezi Lara. He came and scored the fourth goal. And he come back and won the game in extra time, 5-4. <laughs> that showed me that if you believe and you go there, not doubting, there's many things you can accomplish. Because why? Our team is 11 players, more important, 11 coaches. People are spurred on by the spirit of another. So if you push somebody else's attitude, it's going to be stirred up to fight, you know? Mm. So I think that was one example that really showcased the togetherness of, of the boys, even the spirit of the boys. I mean, we didn't reach to the, the semifinal. We got knocked out in the quarterfinal because after that game, um, I tore my tie muscles, so I wasn't effective in the next game. And we ended up losing on penalties. And I think it was um, a point, point 14 team again, which was split fire. And um, another team that shakers or something like that from Port of Spain ended up in the finals. But um, the, the moral is, you know, even with me now, I don't try to dunk kids down because, you know, their, their spirit could be very downcast very quickly. Like... There's a kid in my academy, and he's not very technical, but, you know, his name is Daylon, and he, he came from another academy. First thing I did is I never look at what that academy did to him. I said to him, we're going to work. I said, don't worry, you got time, we're going to work. And even if I have to go out there and spend an extra hour with you, I'm going to do it because I know that when you finish, you're going to benefit from it. You know, and his mom was very happy to hear that because a lot of coaches don't want to do the dirty work and spend time, the investment. So Fantastic. We'll jump in. We'll jump deep into that. We'll jump into the football stuff. <laughs> boy, but but I'm telling you, um, it's fantastic. And fast forward to all of that, you, you played in the World Cup. Um, it's not easy to play in a World Cup because... There's so you're up against the best, not just the best from the other countries, but you're up against the best from your own country, coming from different parts of the world, wanting wanting that opportunity. So that was an amazing feat. But get into Manchester United, 
get into going to Beijing, going to all these top clubs, Millersborough, like you have traveled across the 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 football landscape, uh, which to even go to these tryouts, people don't understand. It's a success story because someone saw value, and at a young age, um, not truly understanding the inner work, working of things, and and people behind the scene have so much influence that you don't know. You just sometimes you just on football, you're on soccer, and you want to play. You know it don't matter to you. Your passion is there, but uh, there's a business side of the game too. Um, <laughs> And and there's a lot of people have to benefit where what people don't sometimes don't truly really understand, and when they can't, sometimes things go left. But talk to me about how did you deal with those all of those opportunities that uh, didn't really uh, move forward in the way that you know in hindsight it's God's will. We know that, but if they were so, if it was something there that. You felt in those moments of, um, I won't say failure, but you know, if you have a passion for the game and things are not happening your way, you're a bit disappointed, you're a bit down. You know, what was that season like? What was that period like in your life, and and how you dealt with it? I think, um, again, at, at being at Manchester United at the age of sixteen, and you know, being able to be in the presence of the Triple Crown um, champions. Shaking David Beckham Han, shaking Roy Keane Han, Alex Ferguson and, and, and Lauren Blanc and the whole lot because at the time when myself, Kenwin Jones and then Kosi Blackman came to Man United, that was when Lauren Blanc, uh, Dwight York was going to be sold. Uh, we didn't know where he was going. We thought it was Middlesbrough. Um, but one of the sentiments in Man United, these boys were, uh, work very hard. Um, at the time, we were playing under 19 football there because we were under uh, Kieran Richardson, who was the captain of the under 19 team. And at the point in time, they had at least about 50 boys in the in the system there at Man United fighting <laughs> for just you know 18 places. So you you had to work. Trust me, it wasn't easy getting the ball out there because knowing that you come in from a foreign country to take mm. deep boys pick they're not going to pass the ball to you 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 really have to work for it um when we trained the first couple of days we understood that these boys ain't going to pass to us so you had to take the ball and naturally do your thing yeah um there was a guy um there from i think he came from um iceland and he will get the ball and he would just start running at people so we used our initiative and we said okay boys you got to pass to us, Kenwin Blackman, if you're on the same team. And when we get it, do your thing. Um, I think that kind of spurred some of the, the scouts there because that's when they started to see a natural ability, the way you can move with the ball, the way you can run with the ball. But I think because of the climate control over there, we came just when winter was at its peak. So it was really cold for Caribbean boys coming from a <laughs> tropical country to an icy cold country now. I mean... Be hard was to get uh, like tubes of heat rub, and I would rub it all over my skin just to try to keep warm. You know, you're looking for all any any type of warmth you can get because out there it's cold. Um, I think the reception we get in, in Man United was well, you know, acquainted. They they were welcoming. 
the chefs were welcoming they even tried to make us comfortable by making our home dish in trinidad which was pilau mm. unfortunately they used white rice with green beans and chicken but you know <laughs> still attempted yeah. to make it um then they sat us down into the in the engine room we call it the engine room which is the contract room and they told us that you know we will be going to uh, Middlesbrough and they will further evaluate us there and then they will let us know so when we proceeded to go to Middlesbrough um meeting Paul Ince who was the captain um because at Man United we didn't we wasn't allowed to train with the first team they were training we could see them but we were already under 19 but um when we reached uh, sorry um Middlesbrough, that's when we had the opportunity to train with the first team. It was a really another step up. That was even mind-blowing because you're young and you're thinking, I'm training with Middlesbrough first team. I'm, I'm training with Paul Ince. You know, they just brought a guy for like, I think it was like 10 million and he was the highest paid back then in Middlesbrough team. And I'm on the same pitch with him. And, but I, I, my value is zero when I'm training with some of these you know players and we are matching them because our body size were bigger than some of these guys and we weren't really matching them um i think alex uh, alex mclaren was uh, was the coach there and he pulled us he, he, we did a beep test um i think my 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 fall there was not training the final day um because snow started to fall and me and blackman said we're not going to train but kenwin jones he persevered and he said he's going to train. And I think that was the, the changing point for him where he attributed to great success where he did in the Premier League. And again, we all sat down in the, in the gaffer's office. They told us that they love what we have done over here. Um, they would like us to stay with the youth system over here. Again, is it was beyond my control or the boys' control. I, I can't speak for the boys and them, but... Um, it went back to uh, Mr. Terry Fenwick, who was our agent, who sent us out there. So whatever happened there, again, I can't say further on that. It mm. all left him. But um, I think that didn't stop me there, um, coming back to Trinidad, playing for CL Financial, Sawa Jablete. As you know, back then, the Titi Pro League was, you know, something really promising. Lots of players from the Caribbean coming over there because of the involvement of Jack Warner. Um, lots of Brazilian players, Guyanese players, Antigua and so forth, Jamaicans. And the league was a very decent level for you to kickstart your pro career. That's what I was going to put in there because a lot of the players that that came out and, and, and got contracts actually played in the TT Pro League, the Kenwin Jones, the Molinos, the Silvio Spans. They, so many players that the league, while it wasn't, um, it was well known because people were coming from Africa, people were coming from Brazil. If you remember the W Connection um, entire squad to the point where those boys went to, some of them went on and playing Europe. Yeah. Um, but there was, at that point in time, that was the place to be. And obviously, uh, Mr. Warner was in 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 the FIFA spectrum at that time, so he understood something about what was needed to build and raise the the status of the game. And a lot of players, a lot of players, came through that TT Pro League, um, just like how the MLS is. You know, going back a couple of years, where 
San Juan was beating Chicago five, five at, at, at Hazley Crawford yeah. Stadium. And it was crazy. Um, so in that period of time, there was this burst of talent because that was kind of the mecca of 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 pro of of developing uh, your your pro acumen to to then move to different stages and and I want you to talk about that because uh, a lot of young players they they feel is they they need to make a quantum leap and don't understand there's levels to this when when people want to invest in you um, is is not just I could dribble or I could pass but you know talk talk a bit about the the total package because being in being in Manu which is a big thing and and being in 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 Millsborough and 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 being around Chelsea and going to Beijing and there's so much that you would have um, experienced that you know it's beyond just dribbling and passing or just working hard so if you could elaborate on that uh, to give us a great insight of um, what it takes, and and so that young players um, could understand that change is always necessary. You know, if you could if you could elaborate on that a bit. I think um, that's a great spectrum as you brought up there in regards to the TT Pro League. Um, numerous of both yourself and my colleagues have went on. Some played. You know, in the 2006 World Cup, some played, you know, in Europe, um, in the MLS. Some of them have gotten great contracts. But it all started at some point. People look at the end product, and I don't really call it the end product because no player is a finished product. They're always learning and growing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even me, m- myself playing in the TG Pro League, I saw some highs, some lows. Um it's, it's a real mind battle, I would say, as a player, because you have to be able to balance the lifestyle that you want as a footballer. It's either you want the glamour and the glitz, which is short term, or you want to be obedient, humble, and continue working so that you progress. And what I mean by that is there's a, there's a, there's a sacrifice at stake, meaning you can look at many players today who have gotten great heights. And you can see how quickly they fell off the pinnacle because why of the lifestyle they have chosen. As you rightfully said, there's levels to this thing. And you carrying a crest over your heart. And there's rules and stipulations to that. On your contract will tell you the requirements for your weight. The requirements, you know, for training. If you're not meeting these standards, first thing first as a player, you have to take out of your mind that you are settled or they they can't remove me. (laughs) Oh, you got something coming to you because there is like a hundred players knocking on that door to take your position. So whereas you is already there, the best bet is you got to work even 10 times as harder to stay there because Mm. the other person coming up is working 10 times as hard to catch you and overtake you. The work never stops. And you have to do your homework. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to ask coaches, coach, where do you think my weakness is? Where do you think I can be able to be more helpful? Try to learn more than one positions. Why? Because the team may require you 
to fit in a position that you might be worthwhile helping and it might be your, your permanent position. You have to be able to be uncomfortable before you become comfortable. Hmm. A lot of players over here work really hard. My mind was blown even when Mr. Perry Goff took me on as his assistant coach in, in, in England here for Leatherhead and then Walter Manorishan Football Club. And I got to see how hard these boys work. And, and you know, some of these boys, people look at semi-professional football in, in, in England here. Some of these boys go to work, go to gym, and then come and train. They train twice a week and play, but they still get a stipend. And some other players, depending on your, your level, they will pay you according to what they see. You need mm. favor. You need to be working because nobody's not going to give a player that they don't see any investment in that they can return. Mm. So for young players, don't think that you're the best thing since sliced bread. Understand the game. Learn your position. Learn, you know, tactical awareness, positioning. You know, don't be afraid to spend spend more time on that football pitch. Because just as a plumber, a painter is always at work, an artist is always at work, so too you are always at work. You're always on display. Because when you reach on that pitch, you can't hide. Because there's millions of people seeing you. So what you was doing in training, and you bring it on the pitch, might be the last game you play for that protein. Fantastic. Well, Gerald did something that we do here that calls the learning corner. So... A quick interruption to bring to you the R and K Just Clean Learning Corners where we share some tactical insight with our players. Um, so we'll continue this discussion because we need to dive into uh, some very important, important things that I believe that young people need to know. Even parents who might be listening to this uh, need to know from a person who have done it to the highest level, who have had the opportunities um, that some are now just hoping for and don't truly really understand. They don't really understand what it what it takes. Um, but we'll dive into that uh, a bit more deeper when we, we come back from this, this, this quick break. No problem. to deal with it is bringing back the six to mark on the ball side and allowing the four to give coverage. So when you see a team play with two forward, it's be two forward, sorry, it's because they're trying to take away the coverage uh, for the first pressure. So if there's 1v1, then the coverage becomes very compromised because if, let's say for instance, quick example, if the ball, if the ball comes into nine, and the ten is there, if the five give coverage, then there's gaps in between here. If the three comes inside, then there's an option outside. So, to take care of that, we make our numbers, we make our numerical advantage in the middle here, which give coverage and allow 
um, the players to stay with theirs. I hope this was helpful. Um, see you again at a new Learning Corner. Welcome back to the Coach Kyle Show. Kyle here. We're speaking with Gerald Forbes, um, who is based in England, who has his own academy, which we will dive into a bit deeper. He will tell you a lot more about that. Um, former World Cup youth player, former international player, uh, so much experience in the professional game, so many opportunities that, you know, some some people will just, they're still praying and hoping for. Nevertheless, uh, there's a big challenge within, I don't know, uh, within your environment, but me being in the United States, um, it's very difficult, to be honest, in, in what you're doing here, because honesty seems to be more like a threat more than something that is embraced uh, because of the structure and, and the system of, of how things are set up there is there's limited space for total honesty and 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 it's amazing that i'm saying total honesty because honesty don't have a part <laughs> honesty is honesty right but it's like you can't tell the whole truth because the whole truth um scares people they they want to move they want to move in a in a in a in a separate um, in a separate direction um and, and and i say that because i've experienced it so many times where when it's time to be honest they must you know people must find another avenue it might be well you oh, you don't communicate well or uh, this is just the uh, this is just the honest truth right so this is what this this podcast strive on. We we have to speak the truth, and it's oh you know, well, you don't work well with others, and and it's always these um, these things that can be used. Um, so why I'm saying that is, you see more and more that young people who might be going after um, goals which obviously takes a high level of conviction. If you're going to go after your passion, it's because you have a conviction there. It's your purpose. So there's a level of truth that must be established in you. But when truth is not respected and when truth is not really embraced, then what you've seen is more and more young people are struggling with honesty. Is struggling to be honest. So they, what they what you find in that is there's more of a desire to fit in than to stand out. So to to that end, um, don't know what you what you've experienced in that light, but it's a major factor here where I believe it's producing a high level of weakened young people. And, and and scary, more scary, weaken young adults from from a men perspective, and even females, where there is this need to not deal with challenges. Well, they don't want to confront challenges. The moment they are out of their comfort zone, they they easily redi redirect their their blame to the person on the outside so when 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 i'm asked to be like you said earlier when i'm in this 
uncomfortable situation rather than become comfortable in that uncomfortable situation, which you and I know it takes to play, to, to really not just even play at a high level, but to really maximize yourself, to really become great, to really live out your potential. You say, the Bible says your gifts will make room for you and bring you before great men. But there's a there is a wilderness in that. <laughs> there is a wilderness in there. So what I've experienced with young adult men, females, is this the moment they're challenged, the moment they're put into uncomfortable situation because of the foundation of lies, um, they go into this place where they redirect the blame um, to the external force where, oh, you're not, you're not embracing where I am. Um, I would love to hear you uh, speak to that because going into these environment that you went into, some somewhere in you, it didn't represent where you were. <laughs> it wasn't what you were accustomed to. They were asking things of you that probably never been asked before. You were asked to do things that you never had to do before. But you you embraced it because it kind of it kind of mold you and shape you into who you are now and what you what you're preaching. So if you could elaborate on that and speak to that, um, uh, so that we all could hear your perspective on you know how you dealt with that. I think um, transitioning from a player to a a coach or I would say rather a student of the game because mm -hmm. when you are a player and you have a coach before you first thing first we always think we know better and that's the major problem that hinders players growth and success that major line that I think I know better or oh, coach I could do this sometimes it's humbling yourself and, and raising your hand and say I don't know because you don't know everything in life and rather from a learning perspective or point of view, always engage to learn. I think for me transitioning now from a coach, you know, I see the mistakes that I was making when I was a player. <laughs> so now I'm trying now to bridge that gap to try to help the generations that is coming up now understand that, hey, it's not about being the best showboater or what it really takes is discipline and obedience can you follow instructions and carry out these instructions hmm. coaches in england is not really interested in about your dribbling sense of ability they want to see your obedience in carrying out instructions hmm. they rather 10 obedient player than 10 dribblers because 10 dribblers will cause problems within the team because everybody wants to be the main person but if i have 10 obedient players playing to structure playing to position we can dominate and do great things in the football pitch i think in the footballing world today as i rightfully say truth people don't like truth people love lies and i'm, I'm saying it because they rather be pacified with their itchy ears to tell them their son is good so that the finances will keep coming but there is no growth and development for the child uh. 
So it's like failing to prepare is preparing to fail. You already know that that child is not going to go there, but you already pocketed three years of money. Now, I don't speak on anybody's academy. I speak on what presented to me because you'll get some parents coming to my establishment, but they want to give you what they think you are worth. Mm -hmm. So I have to break that. So I tell them immediately now, when you go to Bentley or you go to Ferrari, do you go and tell them, I think that the Bentley is 10 pounds? Of course not. So don't re redefine the work that I do and you think that the payment that you give is substantial for me, no. Because the work I do is a lot of work and it's strategic work in building your child. So the parents come in a lot of um, paperwork. Like I will have a parent, she will say, he needs to do crossing, he needs to do finishing, he needs to do... But I have watched this child play and I'm saying his head is up in the cloud. He needs to calm down. You know, he <laughs> thinks he's the best thing on the pitch. Every time he gets the ball, he wants to do the Ronaldo. <laughs> and I'm saying to the parent, mom, I'm not going to follow what you tell me. You have never played a game. I'm, I'm doing what I see that he needs to work on, which is his attitude. Hmm. He needs to work on his passing. When he don't get the ball, he doesn't run. When he makes a run, he doesn't want to defend. He may have all the speed in the world. He may score 15, 16 goals, but it's not going to get him far because he can't play within the team. There are some players, they will come and they will say, one of the, the things that happens in, in, in England here is that they come to you and they say, we buy Brentford or we go to this academy or this development. And Sometimes I look at the parent and I say, you know why you're in development and you're not in the Chelsea on the 18 or Brentford on the 18? Because the word stands for itself it calls development. Your son still needs work. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> what they want, because mm -hmm. of the name that they carry, they already the crest and they think like, yeah, I'm playing for Brentford, um, B team or the C team. It means that you need work because you're paying the money to facilitate the establishment or the youth department, of course they will keep bringing you. But there's not no real change. Real change is putting where your money is and saying, Coach, I was listening to um, this coach, Eddie Johnson, in America. He played for the U.S. And I can remember he made a statement. He told a couple parents, listen, sacrifice three years of your son's development and put them with me. Don't put them to play no football. Just let them develop. And after three years, you saw that the, the boys who he was training private and working on six days a week, they got contracts after the three years. The rest of boys who were still in development, the word development is still there. So it's, 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 it's crazy um, because um, one of the things that you, you said was in, in, in England and at the top level, which most people are not familiar with. You talk about obedience and can you follow instructions? And um, is it because could we, could you, would you define that as the cultural difference here? There's a lot of freedom given with no knowledge. Um, I, I haven't gone to England, but would you say it's still kind of traditional where 
you don't just get to do what you want. You don't just get to say what you want. Obviously, in in some in some areas, you will find that. But here, I know there's a lot of freedom given that young people, youth players, can make their own decisions. But they're making those decisions with no knowledge, with no insight. Unfortunately, um, the parents want to support their kids, but they also not aware of of what really happens in terms of uh, the developmental process. So there's a cultural difference where if a player wants to go to that level, he can't wait to get there because when he gets there, he's already behind. Yes. Because um, that's something that you will look at in terms of these kids, even though they're there, they know what the expectations are, and they are struggling. Seeing that, seeing seeing the behavior of the young people in in America, the youth players in America, and, and how they think they're gonna get there without no true understanding. What what would you say to them, um, in terms of? their behavior and their attitude. And is there something that you took away from all your experiences at these academies that you will say, this is not, this is not a subjective discussion. This is not my opinion. This is not what I feel. This is what I've experienced. And it's even worse now. Like what, what would that thing be? I think, as you rightfully say, Coyote, even with myself being under Jake Malawi, um, he's a very uh, experienced youth coach. Um, he took me under his wings in Leatherhead. And he always said to me, he would leave me in charge to coach the team at the time he had the badges. But he would always say to me, Gerald, you've got more experience than me because you played the game. I never played. I'm just a coach. So it was like he was learning some things from me that I encountered while playing because it's only when you truly play the game, you can relate with players. You can relate with what they're going through. Mm -hmm. um, one of the biggest downfalls I see in the UK here, because there's so it, the UK is very competitive. There's thousands of academies. And what kids like to do, because we live in, in, the, in, the, gen, in the microwave generation where... You know, back then, we had to go and do the, the, the business on the pitch. Mm -hmm. Now, some of these players are watching the academies put up these marketing strategies, and they believe in it, and they think, Mom, I want to go there. So they already been brought into the business side of it through the marketing policy, and they go there. And when something pop up, pops up again, they run to the next academy. So you have a kid who is lacking development, but now he's going by Academy A, B, C, D, E. That's mm. that's already a mindset battle for him because he can't distinguish his identity of what he wants to do. Mm. So that mm. is the problem full stop right there. Even when I was growing up, I never went by 10 academies. I was training at Palo Seco Football Academy under Mr. Brian Williams, under Mr. Uh, Edgar Vidal and, and Mr. Keith Pereira. And that took me playing with a team who had no stars. And by me playing and excelling, 
I was being able to be looked at, singled out, and represent at a FIFA Under-17 Youth World Cup. I wasn't mm. running by every win or doctrine. I stayed and learned, and I kept at work. Now, it's the same thing in the UK. I've encountered players who come to me, and when you try to be truthful with the parents, they turn away from you. Or they will give you the, we'll come another session, or they give you, uh, let me have a free session today, and I'll go see if he likes it, and then you don't see them no time. But then months later, they come back again, and they said, oh, he was a bit deterred from football, and they give you the Nancy stories. But then I put my foot down, and I said, this is my price. It's either you want the work done, or you can mm. take, there's many other academies there. And I think even with the people who I work with and the, and what we try to do, because I, as you saw, Raheem Sterling, um, he gives sentiments on my academy, um, Loftus-Cheek, some of the celebrities, um, you know, the, through the marketing. But I put out the work and then use the voices of the, you know, the, you know, the platform of the celebrities to just back it up. Because you need that, that form of, of, of people like to see somebody of stature in your establishment. So, or, so the, so I'm I'm happy that you talk about the marketing because it, it's it's huge, it's huge yeah. everywhere. I thought I thought it was only in this demographic, but it's it's all over and it's crazy um, because, like I said, the foundation that's supposed to be truth is not being extended. It's more about strategies. And the strategy, the strategies are based on I have to be comfortable first, which we know it's you have a gift to be to be to be used as service. God give you a gift so that you can serve people, that you can impact other other people's life. And we remember the story with the man with the five talent and the man with the one. He he wanted to he wanted to be comfortable. And the one with the five says, I'm gonna give it all because it was given to me, and God just doubled it. So what you're seeing is uh people are more strategic more than laying the foundation of truth and establishing truth within the hearts of these young people. And this is why they have itching ears. They will go to different places. They will run to different things. And they cannot solidify themselves because they're not driven by purpose. They're driven by strategies, strategies to draw them. And, and we, we know how the enemy works. He's a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. He don't, he don't want purpose to be fulfilled. So the more distractions, the more confusion, the more he could get you on the broad, <laughs> on the broad road, and not the narrow and straight. Uh, his he's accomplishing uh, what he wants to, and it's the voices of um, the people like yourself who have done it. Well, not just done it, but true believer in in the word of God and the true believer that. Truth must be the foundation on anything if it's going to stand. But I want to give it a chance to like dive into your academy a bit, and you know what drove you to starting this 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 football academy in UK, um, and then you could talk about you know how you know your how did you use all these opportunities to now having and how are you using that to have an influence on 
um, the young players that you un have under your tutelage? Um, you know, likewise, as you say, if whatever foundation you're building on, if it's not on Christ Jesus, then it is not going to stand. And as, as rightful as, as the Bible or the, or the scripture tells you in the Bible, it says Satan kingdom is not divided. It's an orchestrated kingdom. Now, the, my academy, before I got into, you know, doing this academy, I'll tell you the downside before the upside came. Now, a lot of people see Mr. Forbes now running Mr. Forbes Enterprises, um, Forbes Elite Academy, Forbes Builders, Forbes Tree Surgery, um, Forbes Brands, Forbes Catering, you know, they see the Forbes, yeah, but they don't see how it became. Now, God had was to humble me, right? And I mean, really humble me. When I left Trinidad, I thought I was going to Lebanon to play football through a friend of mine, Peter Prosper, who is over there. He's a coach there. And he, he you know, he orchestrated a opportunity for me to go to Il Alfai FC. And I thought that was going to pick back up my footballing career because um in 2010 after playing for trinidad in the world cup qualifications um Concacaf champions league i tore a ligament in my knee and that was the pivotal point what made me to really realize mm -hmm. that football is temporarily but if football is gone what do you have what do you have to fall back and i think that time from 2010 to 2012 when i fall into depression um was going through a dark time um lost everything not played at the heights of trinidad football the friends the people who you were chilling with because of the money you were getting they were no more it was just me and me alone hmm. and thank god i had my family backing and my mom you know she was always supportive my aunt even when the opportunity came to go to lebanon and um, I reached in the UK here in 2012 by the grace of God. And God brought me to a full stop because they wouldn't allow me to travel with the visa that the Lebanese embassy gave for me to cross that border. Now, that in itself was a testimony now because I'm stuck in Heathrow Airport arguing with, you know, people translating for me in Lebanese. Hey, this is why you guys do me this, you know, you, if the wise, but I couldn't mm -hmm. argue more. And I'll tell you the favor of God. God was working still. You see, God is more interested in your soul than your talent, because if he have your soul, he can do things through your talent. Mm -hmm. And at the point in time, I wasn't saved. I was backslidden because even though I grew up in a, in a religious home, um god doesn't want religiousness he wants relationships he wants a relationship with, with you and him and a lot of people misconstrue that 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 you know that line because religiousness is not going to get us there it's true relationship with christ jesus and um god had to really humble me and as i was in the airport i couldn't fly i didn't know where i was staying i was like i'm going to book a hotel for the three days and I will tell you how God moves. You see, when your back is against the wall, God will begin to orchestrate your steps. And there was a man in the airport who was from the Caribbean. 
and this you know caucasian woman came and she said this guy will help you i didn't even know why she said this guy would help me he came to me and he said um yeah i read your passport i saw you plays that you're a footballer xyz i will help you to stay by my house tonight this guy offered to give me a place in his house he don't know me and he said listen i will help you but that had to be the hand of god because mm -hmm. i was going through all things in my mind and um, the first night I stayed by him, he prepared, he was a lovely gentleman. His name is Gabriel John. He, he works in the Idre Airport. Um, he looked after me like a true ambassador of a country. I mean, with food. He left money on top of the table for me to get a phone, to make phone calls. He tried to help me out in the airport and he never asked me for nothing. All he wanted to do was be a good ambassador. And... Um, End up staying there for three days. He he got me into contact with one of his friends who knew uh, one of Arsenal's fitness coach, which I went to see him. They tried to help me knowing that I was an international player. Um, they got me to go to Hayes and Hillendon. I did a trials there. I got through. But their question was, am I staying in the UK? So that was the ultimate, you know, factor. Are you staying? How are you going to stay? Um, because a lot of people think that you come to the UK, you can just stay like that. No, there's, there's levels. There's a lot of things you don't know. Kids, don't be persuaded by anybody telling you, go to the UK, football. I've seen lots of footballers on the streets, lots of footballers who today have lost their mind because they've been sold a dream. Um, from that, you know, things started to go but it wasn't going the way that i wanted to go because you want to play football but it seems like if all doors is closed as the scripture say god says when he closed that door nobody could open it hmm. and everywhere i go i'm just bouncing my head i'm asking myself but just the other day i started reminisce i'm like but i was scoring so much of goals no i was untouchable i was doing running through teams and defenses now i'm the slowest player now Things are seem like it's receding. Why? Because age has catch up with me. So when you were young and doing all these things, there will come a time when the age now will catch up on you and you can't do the things that you once you used to do. And that was my checkpoint. So I ventured into working on the building some people. And um, it was, was until when the hand of God, I was in my room and um, I was going through a tough time and um it was like i got an outer body experience the lord took me from out of my, my body and um i was in the spirit realm and that was the game changer for me it was like an angel showing me something ahead of me and it wasn't nice what it showed me but right in the spirit there i beg for my life i beg i really beg this thing is not a joke this is a this is real this life is spiritual and I begged for my life. I, I said to them in the spirit, I said, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And they put me back down. And, and later that year, um, you know, I repented of my sins. I was going through a very dark time. I repented. And it was like the presence of God came upon me. And he started to usher me and direct me. And I, I, as I was in my room, I'm not going to go into all the nitty gritty, but as I was in my room worshiping God, I felt a hand touch me on my forehead and that very night, two angels was in my room and they held me down. 
and that's when the Lord, they put a seal on my back. They burnt me with something on my back. And from that, when I went to church, everything was different. I felt the presence of God. Uh, you know, I begin to understand that the way I was living was not right. Now I'm before the king now. You know, I'm serving God because, you know, when you give your life to God, your life is not your own. And, um, you know, I did that didn't stop there. I was homeless. Um, I went through uh, many assaults demonically, I would say. You know, going to Bible, Bible um, studies. And I can remember coming back to my apartment and a big sign, you're not wanted here. Get away from here. I'm like, what is happening to me? You know? They hmm. lock my door. I can't get in my door. I end up sleeping in the bathtub at 11 o'clock in the night. Had to get up for 3 o'clock in the morning to go to work. I had to walk for 45 minutes to go to my job because I didn't have no money. I didn't have hmm. no clothes. But I can assure you that even that testing, I never turned from God. I kept following him. I keep pursuing him. I say, God, I know you didn't bring me this far to turn back now. And as I continue to follow God, I continue to pray, I continue to, you know, seek him. I, I mean, nobody's perfect, but God looks at the heart. And my mm. heart is a heart that I want to serve God. And, you know, I can remember, you know, he took away. The worst thing you can do is when you try to fight against God and he takes away your mind or he takes away your, your, your senses and he gives you a depraved mind or a deprived mind, you can't think. Is unless he really touches you, like oh Nebuchadnezzar, he put back sense in Nebuchadnezzar's head, then that's when I really started to understand that, wow, man, no, nah, God is powerful, mate. And then he made me to understand that he did it so that I can really catch myself. And I can remember my family called me and they said, Gerald, we're going to help you. They paid for my room. Um, still going through the, the hardships of, you know, looking for jobs. Because now I'm not playing football. What are you going to do? This is this is, has nothing to do with pride. This has to do with manning up and saying, Lord, whatever comes my way, I trust you. It's hard to say, but you got to go with it. And in the UK here, nobody, listen, it's a dog-eat-dog dog world out here, mate. Nobody really cares what happens with you, mate. <laughs> but, you know, by the grace of God, I used to walk from my apartment to walk down the road for 30 minutes to preach the word of God. I was happy to found God put me in a church. I mean, no church is perfect, but the church that I'm in is very supportive with some brothers, you know, Brother Asner, um, Brother Eaton at the time, he's a pastor now. They went through similar things because before God brought me into his house, I was living with these two brothers and seeing what God has done with their life is a great testimony for myself. Mm -hmm. I see God. These men were riding bicycles. They didn't even know how they're going to remain in the UK. Today they got wives. They're running ministry. And it's by the grace of God. So if God can do it for them, how much more he can do it for you and I who really want to seek him and humble. So that's that's how you that's how you be you were led to build starting the academy. Yeah, that's basically. I had no no doors open for me. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not a person to pray to God for riches and wealth and all that. I don't, I'm not interested in that. Because I know if I get it, my sinful nature. So I, I prefer to ask God and say, Lord, whatever you want to do, Lord, I'm here at your will. I surrender. I'm here to do your work. And, you know, 
whatever is the work, I embrace it because I know God is trying to build something in me. You know, I was, I was, this academy started off as just helping kids in a park. I used to go to a football park and see a guy named Yusuf training kids, but he was training them the wrong way. And as I was reading a book, something to God stirred up my spirit. And, he, and I was like, I can't see a wrong coaching going that way. And I went over to, to assist. And then the parent of the child, she allowed me to train a kid and show the pointers. Then I think two other days I came back again. She allowed me. And finally she stood up and she looked at me and she said, you know that you are a good coach, you know. You can open an academy and make a lot of money. The first thing she said to me was a lot of money. I said to her, but mom, I don't want money. I'm doing this for free. She said, no, no, no. You can make a lot of money. So it was like God way speaking through her saying, yo, you can open an academy. And then she said, well, you are ex-professional footballer. Use your name, Forbes. I said, but why should I use my name? You know, I really want to use my name, you know. And she was like, no, no, no. Use your name, Google. You're on Google. You can see people can see you. That's what they want to see. And then she began to help me. Um, you know, structurize the academy. She got the logo for me. Um, it, it wasn't an overnight thing where people see it is now. It was a real struggle because when you're coming into the arena of building an academy and you don't do your homework, you're fighting against a lot of enemies out here. Um, listen, people are going to pull you down. People are going to come walk on you. You've got to be able to take all these licks and skip and still take it. I've been through winters where sometimes... You know, the first season the academy was open, I was training just two kids and they were bringing in 320 pounds a month. And that basically was my rent at the time. And that's all I was working at hard. Then I saw God, because of the faithfulness, the hardship, I saw God move that 320 to a numerical amount. Hmm. And, you know, I saw people come when they saw the money I saw people who came just for the money. When they didn't get the money, they left me. But I still continue because I know what it is I'm trying to build. Right? Um, I saw kids come, kids leave. Some who leave, they come back. Even today now, where the platform has been built, you can see a consistent flow of kids coming. Not because of I doing anything, but I said to God, Lord, this is your business. I put it before you and in your hand. What I want to do is serve. And as I continue to serve the people, I would see God sending people and people in the community will pass. Hey, yo, coach, I see the great work you're doing. Keep it up. You know, and then the parents and the community, everybody coming, the, the metropolitan police came. They said they want to invest. And, you know, from there, God started to do his work, you know. That's um, fantastic. So awesome that one of the things that is... the that is standing out there is what how truth is important how how laying a foundation of truth um you didn't have no big strategic plan you didn't have no big Nothing. selling point it was it started with i could i could give my service i could do what is right and then <clears throat> god just keep keep opening up doors but you know i want to i want to give you an opportunity to 
to speak into the hearts of the hearts of our young people um, because there's a lot of young people who are you know faced with some of the same dilemma as you where uh, they're hitting they're hitting their head to the wall they want something they they have a desire they have a passion there's a conviction in their heart but um they don't understand the process they don't understand it's uh weeping may endure for a night but joy will come in the morning they don't they don't want to live that struggle they don't want to be in the wilderness they don't they don't want an they don't want an israel experience of 40 years and 40 nights but there's a promised land and 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 you you have to have that conviction in your heart and you know closing out this podcast you know would really love for you to to speak um into them that they will they will continue to believe they will continue to hold true to their convictions regardless of what is happening around them regardless of what they're dealing with regardless of all the negativity of regardless of how dark it might look now you know what what can you what can you say Uh, that that is on your heart that could really uh, fill that emptiness that you know oftentimes young people feel but they're so quiet because they're scared uh, to be marginalized they're scared to be be judged they they're scared to be looked at as less than so that truth that truth that is needed um is is no longer existent it's no longer existent um when you speak to them before we wrap this uh, this podcast up um i would i would always to to any youth that is is coming up here um i would always tell them that attitude determines altitude if your attitude is right God will propel it to the altitude that he wants. First thing in anything you do is get your heart right. And how do you get your heart right? Ask questions to, you know, people. You know, it says in the Bible, it says, walk with the wise and you'll become wise. It's for a reason. Because there's people who have been through things. There's people like myself, like Coyote, um, and many others we are not only just a few it, it it is it is worldwide of players who you know were touched by god who you know know god some you know have turned away but i'm telling you young man if you 100% seek god and you say god if you're real father i give you my life and and you use it for your will and purpose for your kingdom trust me it all it takes is words and god will show himself strong in your life you know um kids you're not the only kids in in usa or you know environment that goes through things there's many players in the uk there's a high rate of footballers who don't get into the academies and they commit suicide you know which is a very sad thing or some boys you know i was working with a, a kid the other day he had was promising he was he was at crystal palace um you know he was doing great things but again he just fell off the map because he said he doesn't want to play football when i asked him 
he couldn't give me an answer but you know the dangers that i saw when i started looking at the social media he had found himself a little girlfriend and he started doing all the things that the world said to do follow the crowd and unfortunately today's football went down the drain you know and that is very comical you know if you want a, a career a lasting career live right pray seek god read your bible you know align yourself with with people who you see want to be something in life people who are aspiring to be something great you know even myself i still read books today trying to elevate myself there's a book called extreme ownership you can you know, google it you can get it there's also a book um called um, developing the leader in you 2.0 um there is talk like ted um there is a book called pray um push until something happens you know spend more time reading and developing your craft don't just you know look at the media don't be brainwashed by all what you see it's going to really lose you into the matrix you know spend time in prayer spend time with you know a man of god or a a, a, a man that a praying man that you can you know take something from him because you know that is that is your development your spiritual growth is the most important thing and then your physical growth will take place god will nurture it you know work hard train hard be don't be prideful be respectful always be willing to learn always ask a question if your teammate is struggling hey you help him if you can juggle 100 balls and he can juggle 20 work with him because he's your teammate he got to play on the team too don't look at him and say, all right, he's not good enough, coach. Find another player. No, remember where you came from. Remember the challenges it took to get you where you are today so that you now can influence and impart to somebody else and bring them up. You know, there is, in a chain, the weakest link is strong because when the chain bursts, you still need that link. So don't look at any link as, as weak, you know. You speak into it. God gives you the power in your tongue. You know, as there's a scripture in the Bible where God told Ezekiel, speak to this, this valley of dry bones. Um, do you believe, son of man, that, you know, you got to believe, you got the power. You know, God has given you that, that gift inside of you, not to keep it like the one talent man who buried it. There's a whole world out there waiting to see the talent God has given you. You've got to put your contribution out there. And I think by Avin Coyote there, um, he's doing some great work. You can see he's trying to make impact. He's trying to make influence. He's trying to make a difference. You know, it's the same thing with my academy. My academy is not just to train footballers. Our project is basically building one of the pivotal academy playing points so that it's a station for players from the Caribbean, America, to come and be shipped out to Europe. We are looking at hosting national teams, building our own facilities. We don't just want to have a normal training facility. We want to have something that when people pay their money, they know they get their value for it. They know that their son will be looked after. They know that there's the best doctors there. They know that there's the best recuperation center. They know that there's the, the best training pitch. You know, we're we thinking of ways of, you know, having the parents and all happy, having a mini golf course for the dads, a coffee shop for the moms. We try to make something out of this world that has not been seen before. That's only a move of God. And by God's grace, it will come to pass. Fantastic. Well, 
There you have it. If anybody wants to get in contact with you, just give them your your Instagram, your Facebook, where where people can make contact with you. If you if you don't mind sharing that. Yeah, sure. So we are on Instagram. You can Google um Forbes Elite Academy. Um, you know, our page is running separate by our directors. Um, you can also look at us at Facebook, Forbes Elite Academy. We're on TikTok again, um, Forbes Elite Academy. Um, we always looking for players um from abroad. Um I've had players from Trinidad and Tobago. Um, I've had players from Cameroon, players from Nigeria come to me specifically. Um, I've worked with them. Um, I also have Mr. Perry Goff on board with me. He's a very established coach over here. Um, our backroom staff, what we try to do is get players in, but first access them or look at them, evaluate them. And if you're up to the potential, trust me, we could push you into the right gears, you know, not talking and not delivering. We will deliver. As you can go on our page, you can see me working with Sutton United um, women's team. You can see me working with Leatherhead. You can see me uh, Chelsea um, and other academies around in London um, doing a couple of work, working with the Metropolitan Police over here. So you'll be awesome. sure to find us there. Fantastic. Well, there you have it. Um, thanks. Thanks, Gerald. I really appreciate your time. Um, I know it's the wee hours in the morning. They are ready. But we're grateful that you can share your insight, that you can um, empower youth. That's our objective, to, to keep impacting and influencing their lives. So I really want to thank you for those who um, would have shared and are still sharing this podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, continue. Don't forget to subscribe, to subscribe, to subscribe. We want to be able to access, you know, more professionals like Mr. Forbes. We, we want to have more powerful messages that could impact the lives of our young people. We, we want to have more um, um, influential people that we can all have those resources that can guide us in this journey no man knows everything and we need each other um, we need um, more important people more intelligent people that could steer us in the right direction we don't need we don't need strategies we need truth we need truth and once you have truth the truth shall set you free so thanks again um, we'll be back here next week um with uh with another guest that will speak to you about game intelligence and and this person of you know it's a great resume manchester united um different national teams and because it's important that young players understand that uh, you, you you need a brain <laughs> you need a brain to play you just you just can't dribble and and, and just run fast uh, for you to be at the highest level um, you need a high level of game understanding and, 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 and this guest will dive deep into that and give some real insight. So we, we're looking forward to, to next week. Thanks again. For us, definitely will stay in contact with you, bro, and, and, and continue to do the great work you're doing in England. And may the blessings be upon you a hundredfold for what you've bestowed on others. All right. So this is my my opportunity to say good night. Um, take care. Looking forward to see you guys again next week. 
Um, this is the Coach Kayo Show. Kayo Day here, and God bless. Thank you, guys. Now is the time to keep your family warm with quality insulation for your home from Pro Insulation Company. At Pro Insulation, we solve all your residential and commercial insulation needs. Attics, crawl spaces, walls and ceilings, new and existing homes, and we offer traditional insulation and spray foam. Call Pro Insulation Company today for your free in-home estimate for all your insulation needs. Leave it to the pros and call Pro Insulation Company in Plainfield today.